Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. You know, people, you know, ask the question, you know, well, how can I get God to help me? You know, we know that God did all this stuff. How can I get him to heal me? How can I get him to help me? And, and these are real questions, and they're, they're honest questions. But I think if we could ever just tune into the heart of God, we would find out that he wants to do it more than we could even imagine. Right. You know, you see somebody in a situation, God, you know, and, and, and we, we tend to, our culture tends to blame God first. First, they don't follow him. They don't respect him. They don't trust his word. They don't read his word. They don't honor him. They don't pray to him. They don't honor him as God. And then when they see something messed up in creation, okay, you live like that. How many of you know you're going to see something messed up? Think about it. You bring it on yourself and then you blame God. That's just messed up, isn't it? Because God's here the whole time, ready, willing. He wants to do these things. Everywhere, I'm, again, I'm reading through, you know, if you don't have one, Grab one in the back. I think probably everybody here has. I've been announcing it. But grab the reading plan. Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Every time he sent them out, go, preach. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. Tell them to repent. And then what? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Over and over and over. These things are not something that we've created and we're trying to corner God and manipulate him into doing. What we're just trying to do is bring ourselves into alignment with what God has already declared he wants to do. That's why the song we sang this morning says, God, we echo your authority. Why did they pick that word, echo your authority? It's because it's his authority. And and I don't know about you, but I mean, I've I've had a situation, Joseph and I have talked about this too, a little bit, being uh, managers over people in your company. I've had a situation in my cabinet shop where I've had people working for me. And the best thing for me uh, as a leader of people in a business is to be able to say something and they do it. Are you with me? I want to be able to say something, turn around and know that it's going to get done. Because if I have to hold your hand and do it for you, then that means that I, you're kind of irrelevant. I don't really need you. <laughs> and so here's God. He said, I got a church. I've got an army. I want you to go out and do these things. And, and he really expects us to do them. He expects to be done in his name. Why? Because we're not creating it ourselves. We're echoing his authority. We're walking in the victory that he won and we're enforcing. That's good, isn't it? That's good. But that's not the sermon because I'm not preaching today. Rick is preaching today. Yeah. You know, I preached for Rick last week, so we're just doing a switcheroo thing. And so if you have a bulletin, it's wrong. It says BJ Shockey. Um, that's me, but I'm going to sit down. I'll be preaching tonight. So I uh, hope you can make it back tonight because for the next three weeks, um, uh, we're going to have just have, we're just going to have services. Amen. And uh, next week is Dan Webb. Remember Dan Webb? We had a great time last time he was here. Love him. He's going to preach in the more, both services. Uh, after that, a man named Jim Hockaday, who's got a healing ministry, is going to come. This guy, he's over in Colorado right now, and, and, and they're just meeting. Last I heard, uh, they're, they're meeting just uh, several times a month teaching about healing. But what they're actually working on doing, they've got medical doctors lined up from Atlanta who have labs. And I'm getting above my uh, understanding of everything. And Joseph would know what I'm talking about, where they can do biopsies and different things, right? And so 
they, they have them, <laughs> this is what he wants to do. He wants to document these healings so that when people get healed, they can send them off to these doctors and they can do a biopsy in a lab and say, and declare it healed. Because most doctors, you know, they, I, I heard a story of a miracle last night. I was listening to a, a Mario Murillo sermon and he was just talking about a woman who got healed from multiple sclerosis. I mean, she came in all bound up, couldn't move. Okay. She got healed in his meetings, went back to the doctor, like walking. And he just goes, wow, you've had remarkable improvements since the last time. <laughs> They, they're not quick to pronounce you healed. You know what I'm saying? It's just not. It's in remission, you, good improvement, but they don't, that's not in their thinking necessarily in the way they're trained, okay? And that's fine. I mean, you want a doctor to do what a doctor does, but come on, you want Jesus to do what Jesus does, right? Let the doctors do what the doctors do, but let's let Jesus do what Jesus can do. And so he's got this plan and maybe he'll share about it. I don't know, but that they're going to take it and they're going to have healings and they're going to go ahead and put them through the rigorous tests and let a doctor examine. Because how many of you know when God heals you, it'll show up on the x-ray, it'll show up in the lab report, right? When he changes your body, it's a real thing, right? I mean, we're not looking for something just to exist in our minds. We're looking for the reality. We're walking in this reality. And how many of you know we need this? We need to be able to demonstrate God in the times we live in right? We're not living in a time where people are going to be okay with just, well, I know you believe it and it's real to you, right? Well, that's real to you, but it's not real to me, right? No, but when, when, when your body changes and you go back to your doctor and it's not the same, man, right? So that's the time, that's, that's what we get to experience as Christians. And then the very last Sunday of this month, uh, we're going to have um, a testimony service. So please share your testimonies as we go. But uh, if, you've, if God's touched you or done anything for you in a way, please write it down and remember it. And I don't know what it's going to look like, how long it's going to be, but I expect God's doing things. And I just want a time of testimony and testifying. Amen? So just get your hearts ready, pray, push in with me, and let's receive these things. Amen? Amen. So without further ado, <laughs> Pastor Rick. Is the testimony thing going to be an all-day event? No, no, well, maybe. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll start in the evening service. We'll see how they Open your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You heard pastor, calls a ripple. That's what he said, calls a ripple. You know the interesting thing about a ripple is, it doesn't take anything really big to cause one, to start one. And you know a small ripple affects miles away. Great thing about wireless microphones, you are not safe. <laughs> right in your face. That's right. Yeah, I love it. A ripple, a ripple. It doesn't matter the size of the stone or the pebble. It causes a ripple. It causes something to change. It causes something to move. <laughs> Well, I can't sing right. I can't talk in front of people. I can't do this. You can cause a ripple. Do you know just a smile can cause a ripple? One of my favorite commercials came out a couple of years ago and it's an insurance commercial, which I hate insurance, but that's a whole other issue. But it's an insurance commercial and it was talking about just making a difference, causing a ripple. And a guy comes out of a coffee shop and a little a lady's pushing a buggy with the baby, and the baby throw, uh, the toddler throws her toy out, and he stops and he picks it up for her. In his busy schedule, he's going somewhere. He stop, he sees it. He stops because the mother's going on. She doesn't see it. He grabs it and he runs her down, and he smiles at her, and she smiles. It caused a ripple. 
She goes down the street a little further and the lady had a bag of groceries and she drops some things and the lady stops her carriage with the baby and stops and helps that lady and smiles at her. And that smile, and the guy was walking by and he saw it happen. It caused him to smile and as he's walking, he opens the door for another person. And they smiled and they said, oh, thank you. Nobody does that anymore. And they keep walking. And what it shows was, it shows that lady in a full circle. It goes back to the first guy and he's in the coffee shop and he spills some. And the lady smiles and grabs a, a towel and wipes it. And that's what started the ripple. Shows it full circle. Be a ripple. Cause a ripple. Cause a ripple. Cause some trouble. In the kingdom of hell, all right? Cause some trouble. Why? Just by smiling at somebody. Cause some trouble for Satan today because he causes enough for everybody else. Cause him some problems today by being nice. Cause him some issues today because God lays somebody on your heart and you just begin to pray for them. Pray for somebody. Well, I need prayer. Well, start you praying for somebody, and I guarantee the Holy Spirit will call somebody to pray for you. That's the way the kingdom of God works. It's like I haven't seen you since last year. Come on, man. This is the only time of year you can use that line, and it works. So give it to me. <laughs> That's why God allowed me to be here today. So Christmas is over. Wrapping papers into garbage. The house is put back together and all the decorations are back where they need to be. Right? You know how some people... I've got one friend. Well, not anymore. I've unfriended him. But because uh, he put a thing of the Grinch on Christmas Day and it says, man, Christmas is 365 days. Those people... <laughs> You can't enjoy Christmas that you're already thinking, I mean, this one, because you're already thinking of the next one. Come on, give it a day. It's okay. The Holy Spirit will tell you today. Let me prophesy. It's okay to enjoy today before you get all caught up in tomorrow. I mean, come on. Some of us in the house, don't raise your hand because you're going to look ridiculous, that you want to start decorating Christmas right after Halloween or during Halloween. Put your hand down. You look bad. Kaylee, <laughs> Jackson, we got two men, Kaylee in the corner. And then there's some that are traditionalists that you don't start putting decoration, Christmas decorations up till what? Thanksgiving. Some of you, as soon as you put the turkey in the fridge, you're already taking it out, all right, because you can't stand it. Some of you wait the full day like normal people. I've had that, that kind of excitement is in me the day after Christmas. I cannot wait to get everything put back up and get my house back in order. There is something in me. I mean, as soon as the kids get out the door, man, I'm pulling the boxes out. Susan's going, what? She's like, leave you. <laughs> whatever. Do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wired in me. I'm ready to get to the next thing. I'm ready to get my house back in order. Christmas. The birth of Christ proves that God does show up, okay? Don't go ahead and get started, okay, without reminiscing and getting it concreted in your spirit what Christmas is all about. 
The birth of Christ proves that God does show up. He does answer prayer. He came. He came. The Christmas story is where God puts in action his intentional plan to redeem mankind to himself. To redeem, to reconcile. We're going to hear that word a lot today. And when I started writing this three weeks ago, I didn't even think about the word reconcile, but that's what God keeps bringing me back to. You shall name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Come on, it can't get more obvious that God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with us to reconcile, to, to bring back, to redeem. So now that Christmas is over and we have a week of January under our belt, it's time for us to think about what's next. There's something freeing and exciting and scary all at the same time. Okay, it's exciting because it's new, it's fresh, and we get to make new plans. But it's also scary because I made plans last year that I still hadn't done yet. Right? Right? I don't believe in resolutions, man. Either make plans or don't make plans, but, you know, just do it. Right? Just do it. The calendar's rolled into a new year. The new year represents a new beginning. It represents a new start. It is. It's a new opportunity because January is like it starts all over again. And now I gotta I gotta write down everybody's birthday. Anybody? First thing you do, write down everybody's birthday, because it doesn't go over for some reason in my calendar. Not that I care. Until it gets to October. <laughs> Isn't it interesting the things that the mind remembers? She doesn't remember some other stuff that I thought was important yesterday, but boy, she knows when her birthday is. I remember my birthday. Well, yeah, it's a month. It's a whole month. <laughs> Duh. It's your fault that yours is not a whole month. It's not on me. Yeah, let me preach. A new year is the moment where one year ends and a new year begins. Our mind goes to what we hope that this year will look like. Right? Come on. Anybody hope that it's better than last year? Look, let's be honest. I mean, there were years that were great, and I wouldn't mind repeating some of those. They were great. It was a great year, great growth and great awesome times and great things. But I've also had some of those years that couldn't end quick enough, right? Nobody wants to repeat those. Some people were screaming for anybody to hit the reset button. And let's start over immediately. Reset button. My son was, uh, I don't know, eight or nine. We got the first game console, which is our fault. And um, I got a really good deal on it. And so it started a uh, downhill slide into um, video games. And um, he had this one Superman game. It was kind of like, um, uh, like Street Fighter kind of game, but it was superheroes, and you could turn the blood off. I don't know if you can do the other stuff. Anyway, and so, you know, we allowed him to play that, and, and when he beat, when, he, when I played him, it was, it, it was a bloodbath, because I never could win. I mean, I lost, my three lives went really fast. I was just thankful I didn't have to put money in the machine, right? But I noticed he never lost. I mean, he was good, but he never lost. And so I'm watching him one day because I, I, 
I was so slow at it, man. He had already killed me before I even figured out how to kick. And, and you know what I'm saying? And so, and I thought, okay, everybody's that good, but nobody's that good, right? And so I was watching. And when he would lose his second life, he would reset and start the game over again. Yeah. No wonder he never became angry, right? Reset. But I mean, knowing life, that, that's, that's not real. It can't always happen. There are some things we can reset. Some things we can stop and start over again. We can redo. But there is no reset button to some things in our life. Those scars are real. Those moments of tears, those, that agony, that depression, that's real. There's not a reset, but there is a deliverance. There is a healing. There is a moving on from. You know, to save you, a first responder has to jump into the middle of your chaos to rescue you. You ever think about that? I mean, first responders, they see people always at their worst. Think about it, right? EMTs, people on the ambulance, firemen, okay? They don't just come to your house and wait to see if a fire's gonna happen, right? When they get the call, it's already there. It's already happening, and they don't know how bad it is until they get into it, right? They jump into the chaos. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. He jumped right in the middle of our chaos to rescue us. So how much more chaotic could it have been for him to be born in a barn? How much more chaotic could it have been that she was away from home, away from family, away from everything familiar, having their first baby? Look, I don't care how many people you've walked with, but until you've had that baby yourself, you have no idea the stress and the tension that's in that room, right? I mean, you know, the first baby, uh, our son was, was breech. He was butt first. And that explains a lot <laughs> in his life. So Susan had a C-section. So there was a lot of stuff in that, right? And, and having a C-section. I mean, it was a surgery. But then when we got pregnant with Haley, man, Susan was just all about it. Yeah, I got this. I mean, right? She walked in and just told him what to do, right? Why? Because she had already been through it. She knew what to expect. Was it comfortable? Was it, I mean, you know, was there issues? No. I mean, all that stuff and the tension was there, but it wasn't as difficult because she had already experienced it. When you've experienced the delivering hand of God one time, it doesn't matter after that what you have to go through because you know how it's going to be. You know you're going to go through stuff. You know it may be even painful, but you know that it's real and you know that once he delivers you, you are delivered, okay? You don't have to keep going back. You don't have to keep experiencing some of the things. Why? Because Satan's a liar. Okay, get out of this, you know? Just until, I don't know, maybe until we get spiritually ticked off enough, we'll really get real with this Holy Spirit and the authority that he's given us. Man, Susan's coughing like she's been smoking for 70 years. She's not even that old. You're welcome. And she's just coughing and it bothers me because she can't control it. She can't stop. And it irritates me because I can't fix it. I can't control it. And I just said, you spirit of infirmity, get out of her right now. And she goes, <coughs> and that was it. 
She had coughed for a long time. I thought, well, there you go. Man, what more can we do now? Man, I'm going to go over to Poppy and Nana's side now, man. We're clearing this house out. Why? Because it's nothing to do with me, but it's everything to do with the power that is in us. But we don't exercise it. And I'll be honest with you, I felt ridiculous saying it. And then the reality was, the Holy Spirit goes, well, it's about time. It's about time. Why are we sick? Because we're not praying, we're not believing, we're not speaking it. We're not speaking the help. When that hernia in her body sucks back in, you will know it. And we pray it every day. Put my hand on it because one day it's not going to be there. One day I'm going to reach for it and I'm going to go, whoa, there's slim. Because it's not going to be there. Why? Because we're believing and trusting him. I have nothing to lose but everything to gain. Do we, do we get that? Do we get that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul wrote this because he's, he's trying to clean up stupidity of people. And it says in verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. He, you have to read back and understand what the letter is, what he's, what he's preaching here, what he's speaking into their lives. And we, we've been viewing things from man's point of view. And the problem is you can't, you can't understand spiritual things from a physical point of view. You, you just can't. You can't understand God's stuff from, from, from this little brain that he's put in us. We don't understand how God always thinks and why God always sees. That's why it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit, my Spirit, will connect with His Spirit and He will give us understanding. Come on, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us aren't that smart. Except Sam. He's the academic in the house. Okay? There may be other few of you. If I just insulted you, I apologize. Pastor will fix all of this tonight. So come back tonight. So the writer is telling them, we don't regard, we regard no one from worldly point of view anymore. Though once we regarded Jesus Christ or Christ in this way, we no longer see him with worldly eyes. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is why I say that when you give your life to Christ, it's not just about you getting, getting to go to heaven. You are signing up to do something. You're signing up to cause ripples. That's what you're signing up to do. Reconciliation. As he's reconciled us, brought us back to him, okay, through Jesus, through the sacrifice of Christ, you and I are supposed to go to others and reconcile them as well. Be reconciled with Jesus. You be reconciled with Jesus. We're still praying for you. Be reconciled in Jesus, okay? We don't get to see people like we see them. We have to start seeing people like God sees them. And he sees them as worthy of being reconciled to him. He, you, other people have as right to have a place at the table of God than you do. But he's called you and me to tell them that. Because the reality is that some people will look at you and go, well, geez, if you, God invited you to the table, surely he'll invite me too. 
reconcile. You and I are called to do something. Interesting thing right here in some of this. Uh, I want to read it from the, uh, that's the NIV, the 84 version, so the real one. Uh, I don't know. I'm just NLT says it like this. You do not desire, uh, no, that's the wrong one. Where am I at? I'm sorry, I'm in Psalms. why you usually type this stuff out, right, Pastor? <laughs> so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from the human point of view, how differently we know him now. Oh, man, right? That's what I thought. I just knew, I knew of him. Now I know him. Come on, knowing him. Yes. Totally different viewpoint. Mm -hmm. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Anybody? Hmm? Are, are, do, do we get it? Are you hearing it? Okay, there's two. Anybody else? Do I have three? Do I have three? Okay. All right, we're getting there. I got to have five before I move on, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out. Here's, here it is in the Amplified. So from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view according to the worldly standards and values. Though we have uh, known Christ from a human point of view, we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature. Reborn, renewed by the Holy Spirit, the old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, the way we used to be, the way we used to live, the idiot we were have passed away. Behold, new things have come because the spiritual awakening brings a new life. Anybody like new? Yeah. It brings a new life. New way, new thinking. What? I, it is possible to teach old dog new tricks. Don't punch the person next to you. But all these things are, are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation so that by our example, we might bring others to him. That's our purpose. There's several things in this that we've got to look at. Notice, uh, first of all, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. What had the uh, Old Testament, uh, no Old Testament, a uh, King James Version says uh, they've passed. What happens to things that have passed? They're gone. <laughs> past is past. Okay? They're dead. They can't come back. They're, they are what they are. They are what they were. They're, they're no longer valid, right? It's a memory that's a good thing. I'm not talking about memory. I'm talking about the old you is gone, so you don't live in that anymore. Can I tell you, the old man is still kind of dragging around. He wants to come back. But now you have a choice to make. That's where the, look, if we have a will, we have a will. If I have the will to choose good or choose bad, I have, I have a will to tell that dead man, get thee behind me. Yeah, right. right? And I don't know about you, but there are times when I have to tell him a lot more than he wants to listen. No, nobody else, right? God, they're so perfect over here. I just, just like, y'all, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, whoa, the angels, y'all got halos, whatever. 
Come on. The old is gone. The old you has to be gone. And you got to quit dragging around and reviving them. Yeah. Right? He's gone. Now you know you have a chance to start fresh. See, the only thing that January means to me is Susan's another year older. And Nana and Emma. We've got three birthdays in January. I said June. January. See if anybody's listening. June, January. Right? The reality, the great thing about God is you and I can start new any time in a calendar year. But I think that the Holy Spirit gets tired of us having to start over all the time. I need water. Well, what that guy said the other day, I don't think you're listening. I don't think you're hearing me. I love that. That's such a great ploy. Ah, no, 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 I'm just kidding. I've been to those classes. I like it. Old things have passed. It's interesting that 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 purpose has been coming up. I had got to have lunch with my uh, son-in-law the other day. And we just talking and he just says, you know, I'm looking for purpose in my life. And I'm going, yeah, me too. And he goes, man, but you're old. I said, dude, we're always looking for purpose. Always looking for, right? Because why? We want to make a difference. I, I want my ripple to cause some issues with something somewhere down the road, right? I want my ripple to matter. And I said, we're always looking for purpose. Mine just sh- has shifted. Okay, I don't, I don't know. Can I just tell you it's not that difficult? It says it right here. Does it, did it, did it? Make us acceptable. That, so that my, by our example, we might bring others to him. You and I have a purpose to reconcile others to him. That's it. I don't care what you do for a living. This is your life call. To cause a ripple for the cause of Christ. It's our call. I don't know why I'm yelling at you. I feel like you're not listening, maybe. I don't know. That's the way I talk to my kids. Because I don't think they're listening. Because that's the way my mom had to do me. We leave. God has called us to be reconcilers. So first and foremost, in anything in your life, you are called to be a reconciler. And then if you are an astronaut or an astrophysicist, I'm just saying that because I think I can, and, and, or uh, you work at a grocery store, you do coffee, you do people, you do whatever, that's all second nature. Yeah. That's, that's all second. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to dress. What, do you, what did he say? He said, I know you need all of that. I know you need a roof over your head. I got, I got you on all that. But, I, but you're called, you're saved to reconcile. Why? Because I reconciled you. Reconcile. Isn't it interesting that he started the service about reconcile? I'm going, ah! I love it when I'm connected with exactly what I'm supposed to say last week. <laughs> right? I didn't tell him. I never told any of my worship leaders what to sing because I wanted to know when they picked a song, it connected with the message God already gave me. It let me know that I was doing, I heard him. I heard him. Because I've always got ideas and voices in my head. Just going to say. Psalms 51, verse 10. Did a devotion a couple weeks ago, and this just jumped out at me. I've read this a hundred times. Creating me, what? A clean heart, a pure heart. And what? 
renew a right spirit in me. And that's the part that jumped out at me. Okay, I want the clean heart, but I just, I just want to be ugly sometimes. Just people tick me off, man. Sometimes I just like going to Walmart because I need to find somebody to hate. I know that doesn't make sense, does it? Come on, man. There's a lot of people not to like there. Why do they... Why do you do? You have to do all the work, and then when you go out, somebody stops you at the door to see if you did it right. <laughs> Didn't even pay me, man, but they're gonna check me out. But I'm all right with it because I blame it on Susan. Create in me a clean heart. What is he asking? Create in me a clean heart. The word create means to bring something into existence, to cause something to happen as a result of one's actions. So creating a clean heart depends on your actions. You can't be ugly and mean to people and expect God to bring out positive stuff out of that. Come on, man. You call people stupid, they're not going to like you at all. Come on, man. And you're wondering why the Spirit of God is with me. You, you have no idea. You are so disconnected. Our actions to create something, to bring something into existence that God could actually create and be able to use you is a supernatural thing. Create in me, it's personal, create in me a clean heart. What does it mean to be clean? Free from dirt, free from marks, free from stains. Clean, physical hands, right? Come on, man. We babysit a couple of days a week. Kids are nasty. And they just dirty. So I know my floor is clean enough. Yeah, just blow it off and eat it. I mean, come on, man. If they'd never eat nothing if they didn't eat off the floor. I've got three stories in my head that are, are hilarious. You would love, but I ain't got time because God wants to do something. Physical hands, okay? We want to clean our body, right? The physical, the body, the hands. There is nothing more satisfying to me is working hard in the summer in hot and sweat and go stand under a cold shower at the end of the day. There is just something relaxing, something that's just washing the day away that's refreshing, to clean is to clean our character. Clean our character, clean our attitude, our behavior. Right? Clean. Created me a clean heart. Oh, yoga in, in the gym that's going to help me do, help me feel better about myself. Oh, God. Why? Because we recognize he's the only one that can create. He's the only one that can create anything that matters. Create in me a clean heart, a clean heart, a pure heart, a heart that doesn't judge, a heart that is, is looking at, for the best in people instead of looking at the worst. Come on, man. If you look at me for three seconds, you can automatically see the worst. She's escaped. See what you got to look forward to? 
<laughs> and then they opened cabinets, and I don't know how they got in there, and where did that come from? You put that knife back. <laughs> Creating me a clean heart, oh God. And this is what messes me up. And renew a right spirit within me. It's not either or. It's not just create a clean heart in me, God, and make me feel good about myself. Because see, the heart, it, it does to me. But renewing the right spirit is what goes out. The clean heart is inward. The, the renewing the, the, uh, the right spirit is what goes out. Come on, Jesus is all about, it's not what goes in your body that defiles your body. It's what comes out. Because what goes in just goes through all of that and you poop it out. Yes, I said it here. Because it's, it's legit. It's real. Your body does that. God created that. Jesus used the bathroom. But it's what comes out. You know why? Because what comes out of your mouth comes straight from the heart. Amen. Creating me a clean heart because I'm tired of saying stupid stuff that hurts people and not helps them. And if you want to be that person that helps people and that is encouraging to people, it's got to start with God creating, you allowing him, you asking him to create a clean heart. So that when he renews a right spirit within you, when you're speaking, you're not speaking from you, you're speaking from him. And that's what changes lives. I, can't, I can tell you story after story, but I can't change your life. It's the word that can change your life. Renew a right spirit. Renew is to resume an activity after an interruption. It's to reestablish. In other words, it's been renewed at one time and it was going good, but then it got sidetracked. <laughs> life will sidetrack you. It reestablished, to renew, to give fresh life to or to revive. You know, I love that word revive because to revive something means you had to have it in the first place. So it had to be there. I had a renewed spirit. I had a right spirit at one time, but I let the world, I let my attitude, I, I had a right spirit. Now, God, I need you to revive that right spirit. And how does it start? It starts with a clean heart. It's something that I've had and I need it to be active again in my life. A steadfast, as uh, King James says, steadfast spirit, resolute, unwavering. In other words, there, there's some things we can talk about. There's some things we can debate. I'm not going to argue with you because that's just a waste of time because that's usually just opinion. I can debate it with you. But there's some things that are just unwavering and resolute. It is what it is because God said it, period, period. So I'm not going to talk about that. I just quoted him, and that's it. You can, you can try to do whatever you're going to do. You can scratch it out of your Bible. It ain't taking it out. You can't, you, you can't do that. A right, the word right, a right spirit, a right, morally good, acceptable, true, true spirit, true spirit. Creating me. Is that really your prayer this morning? God created me a, a clean heart. Is it? I, I want a clean heart, but do you want him to create? Creation is rough. <laughs> Creation is, is there's push and pull, there's measuring, there's cutting, there's nailing, <laughs> gluing. 
right? Creating. Have you ever seen uh, somebody make a pot, take something out of clay? It's brutal. We had a, in our home church, uh, a, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, where all the ladies went to the thing and, and they made pots and, yeah. Uh, what? A pottery class. Yeah. We had two kilns. I mean, they were huge, man. And they knew what to do with them, man. They were, they were making stuff all the time. And one of the sweetest little old ladies, Miss Murphy, was in there. She would beat the tar out of that mud and that dirt. Man, she was just ruling. I'm thinking, dude, these are, it's an anger management class. That's what this is. It's not pottery. It's an anger management class. Man, she was throwing down. She was beating it, man. I was like, holy cow, I'm getting out of here, man. It's like, and she said, no. She said, you've got to beat your clay into submission. Little mousy lady. And you can just hear her throwing it up in the air and pounding it on the table. I'm thinking, and he had a hammer in one of them, like a mallet. It was like, oh man, I could get into this class. And she said, no, you got to beat the clay into submission. I'm going, man, that's not biblical at all, is it? Jesus had, you know what? I think Jesus has to beat some of us into submission. Because some of you are as much hard-headed as me. Don't look all innocent. I could call you by name, and I didn't even have the Holy Spirit telling me that. <laughs> Read you. Creating something is hard, and it moves. But sometimes you and I miss it because we're not willing to go the distance. You know, there was a story I read a long time ago about a, a little boy. It was in the Western Times, and it's the time when the, when the circuses rode in on the train, and they would put the big tents up at the end of town, and, and they would come in on train, and they would do a, a circus parade down the main street, which was the only street most towns had. And the little boy had never been to the circus, never seen it. And for months, they had been putting out flyers and, and posters. And he kept telling his dad, I really want to go. I've never seen a circus for real. I want to see live animals. I want to see the lions and the tigers and the elephants. And the dad says, man, we can't afford it. And he said, I'll do anything. So the little boy, he said, all right, if you do these jobs, I'll pay you this much. And the little boy went to his neighbors and he did odd jobs and he worked hard for weeks and he raised enough money to buy his ticket. And the day came and the dad said, tomorrow's the day. The circus comes. He paid him. The little boy had enough. The little boy couldn't be more excited. He could hardly sleep that night. He got up the next morning before everything. He got his chores all done. He went in there, put on his best clothes and he headed to town. And he's sitting there. What they did was the, the, the animals would get off and they would put the lions in cages on, on uh, um, uh, special built um, wagons with the cages so you could see the lion walking back and forth roaring at the people as they, and they're riding down the street. The elephants would be guided down the street. The other animals that were, were proper animals would, would be led down the street by their handlers. The clowns would be juggling things and the high rope people and everybody's doing their thing. The music's playing. They had the band and they're marching down the street and man, it is all inspiring. And the little boy had his ticket in his hand and he was so excited and he was watching it as it goes by and the lions and the tigers and the elephants and all the fun clowns. And after they passed him and they all went because they all went to the end of town and then they went into the tent and that's where they had the circus. After they passed the little boy, he put his ticket in his pocket and he went home. His father said, man, it's early. He said, is the circus over? He said, yeah, yeah. 
I saw the, I saw the circus. You know what's sad about the story is? The little boy saw the parade, but he didn't stay for the circus. He saw what he assumed was everything that the ticket afforded, but the problem was he didn't even use the ticket for what it was for, to get him into the main event. And you and I do God's purpose and blessing for us the same way. We, we've got the ticket to the full event. We've got the full power of the resurrection power of Jesus in us to speak to demons and they have to leave. They have to. He said they have to. I didn't say they had to. The power of Jesus compels you, it says so. It says so right here. And he gave us the power, what? To cast out demons, to heal the sick, to make hernias suck back into the body or fall off. I don't care how it happens. I just want it to happen. To speak again. Something needs to be rewired. I don't care. Rewire it. Make it new. Don't wire anything and they say that part is dead. It's not possible. That would even be better. I don't care how it happens. I just know he wants it to happen. So we begin to speak it to happen. Some of us act like the circus has already gone. But some of us even know that the main event's over there, but we're satisfied with just the parade. God forbid. And you know why we're satisfied? Because we don't want to commit any more of ourselves and our lives to the main event. Well, I reconciled somebody last week. My quota's pretty good. You got a quota? Your quota is everybody that he sends into your way. And the problem is you and I don't know who's coming in our way. It may just be some Joe in, in Kroger. In a moment, God wants you to cross paths. It may just be a smile. It may be an all-out, full-on, Jesus is who he said he is. And he loves you and he died for you. He's paid your ticket. You just got to go get it punched. A full-blown explanation. If we're struggling this morning, here's our chance to make it right. Isn't God great? There is nobody else, no other, no other religion that you have, to, you have to come at certain times in certain places and do certain things in certain ways. With Jesus, all you have to do is come with a humble heart and say, man, I am broken and I need to be fixed. Here I am. He makes it simple. If you will seek, you will what? <laughs> it's pretty simple. Come on, you find what you look for. Find what you look for. If your car's never running right and you keep saying it's never running right, it's never running perfect for you, one of these days it's gonna fall, it's gonna fall apart. When it does, don't get mad at God. You just, you've just been waiting for it too. You find what you're looking for. Today, I want you to do a self-evaluation. And really, you're the only one. Come on. God already knows you're not fooling him. And probably not fooling pastor either, but you know. Aren't you glad he loves you in spite of you? Self-evaluation. If you feel stuck today, start asking the hard questions. Why do I feel stuck? Why am I stuck? Well, maybe you need to put the key in the ignition and turn it. Hello. 
right? Once you get it started, maybe you need to put your foot on the brake and put it in gear if you want to go somewhere. Boom, boom, boom. I don't know why we're not going. It's called D. Drive. Put it forward. Because if you put it in R, you're going to keep going backwards. Self-evaluation. If your hopes and dreams aren't happening like, they're, like you want them to, ask God why not. There may be a real reason that they're not. It may not be time. It, it may, you may not be ready. You may not be ready for it. May not be time. You know what? Maybe that's not the dream. One of the hardest things that, that God ever did to me for me was when we were looking at a building across the street. And I just knew it was ours because it was impossible for us to have. It had to, be, had to be God. Had to be God. I got $100,000 for that $1.2 million building. I got it right here, cash. Right here, buddy. You want to take this? I know God wants me to have this. He said, man, I wish I could give it to you. I said, what do you mean you wish you could? You can. You got it, man. God will bless you. He'll turn it around. And after years of that building just sitting empty. And I thought the longer it sits empty, the cheaper it gets. So I was fine. I was fine with it. God just saved the air conditioners, right? Right? Because that's real expensive stuff. Make them be just brand new. And then one day God says, you know, you keep dreaming and looking for things that I don't know that I want, I want the direction I want you to go. He said, would you give me that dream? And I said, which dream is that? Because I had them categorized. You may not do that. And he said, I want the building dream. Okay. Like, it is yours. I gave it to you. He goes, no, I want you to give me the dream. I want you to take it off the table and give me the dream. So I don't get the building? And he says, just give me the dream. He never told me I couldn't have it. He just said, I want your dream. He said, because you've been so involved in the dream that you're forgetting about me. You've cut me completely out of it. I'm going to tell you, it hurt my feelings because I thought it was all him. I thought he directed me and at one point, maybe he did. And somewhere along the line, it, it, it quit being a God thing and it became a, more of a Rick thing. And he said, would you give me that dream? I want to do something else. I want to do something different. Can I just be honest with you today? I had to give it to him more than once. <laughs> I did. Maybe y'all aren't that weak. I, I would. Man, man, it was heavy. And I go, <laughs> I mean, you gave me plans. You kept me up till three o'clock one morning, drawing out plans. I had a ruler. I mean, these were straight lines. I knew where everything was going to go. Because this was not just a fly by night. Yes, Jesus, give it to me. Man, it was playing out. And he said, would you give me that dream? He said, because if you'll give me that dream, then I can give you dreams that you've never even thought of. Oh, I want those. And he goes, yeah, but you got to let go of that so you can have that. And after a period of time, I was able to just slowly just give it to him. He's patient with me. I'm so thankful. But I gave it to him. And there was a freedom. And then God took us a totally different direction in a direction I never even thought of, never was even on my radar. 
went that away. Self-evaluation, though, because when it comes down to it, this is the kind of times where it's, it's all found in your private closet. God, what do you want me to do this year? What do you want from me? What do you want from me? I dare you to ask that question. God, what do you want from me? Where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? You want to be the best daddy to that baby? You better start asking him now, how do I be the best daddy to that baby? You know what? It starts with being the best husband to that woman right there. And, and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Because God's got different things for you to speak into that child's life. Things that only he can. Things that only you can. This is a team effort here. Right? There are certain things in our life that only fathers can speak. There are certain things in our lives that only moms can speak. Self-evaluation. You need to reconcile yourself this morning back to God. We need to reconcile ourselves back to Him, to His purpose. To His purpose, to reconcile others to Christ. That's it. That is really the one thing that we are required to do. Now, there are a lot of other stuff that he will call us to do, train us to do. If he asks you to do something, it doesn't matter whether you can do it or not. Are you willing? If you're willing, he will equip you. Man, we have learned that. We are dumber than dirt, okay? We, we, when we pastored, we had never pastored before. We'd never been there. But I've been under three really good ones and three different mentalities of how to pastor. And God said, yeah, that's all good, but I've called you and I'm gonna, I want you to pastor like you pastor. See, I couldn't pastor like, like the city up and going, ah, there, because the people in our country church, they, they didn't fly that way at all. I couldn't do some of the things I learned in the city church in the country church and vice versa. I want to challenge you today. You've got to find your place. Your purpose won't necessarily look like everybody else's. But you got to find it. And you won't find it if you're just sitting there waiting on it. you got to look for it. He expects you and me to do some searching. My mama expected me to keep my room picked up and cleaned. Now, my kids came along. We expected the same thing, but it looked different than when I grew up. Nothing could be on the floor. So my son just piled it all on the top bunk. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wear it this week anyway while I put it up. I'm just saving a step. That's fair. <laughs> that wasn't a bad line. I was willing to fight. It's fair. It was picked up. It's laid out. You want to wear wrinkled stuff and make all of us look bad. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't work when I grew up that way. Different day, different age. Right? Different way of thinking. Different way of doing. Can I tell you? God's way has never changed. Yeah. <laughs> God's way has never changed. Right. right? So I want to challenge you this morning. Put on some music. To, you got the band come back. What, what do you want to do? But I, I want to challenge you this morning. Let's do business with God. Yeah. I want you to know that the altars are open. These chairs are open, not for anybody to sit in. It's for you to kneel out, to you to kneel on to you to get down here and cry. This altar, this is an altar right here. Lean up against this. If you want to stand, some of us, it's easy to get down and it's harder to get back up. I just like standing, okay? Like walking. But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this morning. 
Just stop where you are. Don't overthink everything. Don't try to rationalize and, oh, I'm unspiritual. I'm blah, blah, blah. Okay, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. What I want you to do is I want you to get serious. God, I need to reconcile myself with you. I need you to reconcile. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if we're all honest with each other and we self-evaluate, we know what we, we could be better. How better do you want to be? Renew a right spirit in me. Can I tell you a right spirit doesn't have 30%, 40%, 60%. A right spirit is a right spirit. Is it not? A right spirit's a right spirit. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, did what you asked me to do. Say what you asked me to say. I ask you, Father, to do what only you can do. Lord, challenge us today, God, not to be satisfied with the status quo, but God, to seriously, when I reconcile myself to you this morning, God, that it's a serious attempt, God, to be clean in heart and right in spirit this morning. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder if you'd just be honest right now with you, yourself, with God, with me, and you say, Rick, that's me. I need, I just need to just stop where I'm at and just reconcile myself back to him. If that's you, can I see your hand? Come on, is that you? All right, there's one. Okay. I just need to reconcile myself back to him this morning. I need to reconcile him to find my purpose. Anybody else? That means that everybody else is absolutely 100% on fire and ready to roll with him. That's my assumption, right? I want to challenge you today to move. Would everybody stand with me, please? As they play this song, and as we're just in a spirit of worship right here, let the spirit move you this morning. I'm not asking you if you're a sinner and you need to be saved. I'm not asking you today. I'm just asking you if you want more of God. If you want more of God, I'm going to just ask you to get out of your seat. Let's just come and seek Him for a few minutes.